Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I remember this happened to me 37 years ago. 37 years, that's a long time. But I was a young Christian, a couple months old in the Lord. I had just accepted Christ. And my brother Tony and I were going to a Bible study. And uh, the Bible study had people who we considered older. They were like 25 years or so older than we were. So I was 20, Tony was 24. And Bible study was great. We were having a great time. I was learning so much. And after being there for weeks and weeks, they, they asked me to give my testimony. And, and I said, no, I said, you don't want me to give my testimony. And they said, yeah, we want to hear your testimony. And I said, no. And then I glanced at Tony. I said, he goes, no. And so, so, so I said, no, I'm not going to give my testimony. And they begged me. So there's all these people in their 40s, and I'm 20, begging me, some 50, give, we want to hear your testimony. I said, I got saved. That's my testimony. No, no, we want to hear, hear what you were and what God did. And so I reluctantly shared my testimony. And I made the biggest mistake of my life because I gave a lot of details of the kind of guy that I was. And I'm not going to give those today. You know, but I just shared some, some, some detailed things of what kind of guy I was. I'll give you a couple highlights just so you can understand what happened and why, why it happened. But, you know, I told him, like most kids, I, I was getting high every night, you know, uh, and, and that was just one thing I did. But I, I carried a 38 Special in my pocket that I bought on the black market on the streets, and I just bought it off somebody, and that was bad, and I took it everywhere I went. And then I just stole everything I could find. And I don't know why, but I set up a fencing organization so I could sell it all. And I think it's because I was Italian and I watched The Godfather. And I thought, that's just what Italians do. I don't know. I just thought, this is what we do. And, uh, and so I told them all kinds of stuff like that, only detail, 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 all these bad things. And when I was finished, the person that sponsored the Bible study, they looked at me. And here's what they said. I can never have you in my house again. This is the last time. I said, but, but I changed. I said, I'm not that guy. I can never have you in my house again. No, none of the other people came to my rescue or anything. And I left there really rejected that night. But thankfully, within a couple weeks, uh, they changed their mind. Because I'm telling them, no, God changed me. God changed me. And, and, and I guess they wanted to see the proof. And they needed God to deal with them. But you know what? I, I was in good company. My, my background was good company with guys in the Bible. Listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul. Wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. And he wrote this book, 1 Timothy 1, 5, 15. And he said this. How true it is, and how I long that everyone should know it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the greatest of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as an example to show everyone how patient he is with even the worst sinners so that others will realize that they too can have everlasting life. This incredible verse at every level, lots of dimensions to it. And I love when I read a verse like this. Paul was different than I was and many of, many of you in this room. He, he, was, he was very religious. He was a Jew, but he also became a leader. He would be equivalent today to a rabbi. And he was this leader in the Jewish faith. He never crossed paths with Jesus. So he wasn't one of the followers of Jesus. But after Jesus died and was raised from the dead, all these people were being converted. They were leaving Judaism and becoming Christians. And Paul was so upset that he began to hunt Christians down. He would throw Christians into jail 
And then you know what else he did? Here's why he said he was the worst of sinners. He had Christians put to death. He was a murderer. So a little different than me. He was a religious salad, and I was totally the opposite of religious. But he met Jesus, and Jesus saved him. I met Jesus, and Jesus saved me. And this message today is not about evangelism, or it's not about just becoming a Christian, although if you're not one, you're, you're surely going to want to become one. This lesson today is actually for Christians. And if you haven't been with us, this series is called Before and After. And I titled today's lesson, Before and After Jesus. And what I want to deal with today has to do with how we see ourselves and how we value ourselves and the value that we place on ourselves. And if you and I live in this world that we live in, there's a value system in this world. And I just want to show you how the world we grew up in taught us. This is how people determine their value in the world we live in, okay? Four, there's four ways. And you and I have used one of these four, several of these fours. The first one is appearance. How good do I look? If I don't look good, I'm not good. Number two is affluence. How much am I worth? Number three is achievement. How much have I done? And number four is approval. How much am I liked? Even for those of you that have been Christians, like I'm, I'm almost 38 years now as a Christian, this value system still tries to grab me, and I find myself sometimes, you know, valuing who I am and what I am according to one of these ways. And even when you think you grow out of it, it keeps trying to sneak back, and it can really bring you down. It can really make you feel inadequate as a Christian, inadequate as a person. And here's the flaw with this system. It, there, it's so flawed up. Here's the flaw of determining your values this way. Number one is this, appearance, our beauty fades, right? And if you're sitting here and say, no, no, wait 10 years and tell me no, because doesn't our beauty fade, guys? And I remember when I was a young guy, like probably so many of you, I put so much value on, on appearance, you know, so I always had my hair perfect, and, and, you know, I played sports, I was in great shape, and even when I played football, I, um, I would always go out Friday night, and we'd hook up with all these kids, you know, and back then the meeting place was McDonald's, and I used to go to the McDonald's on 422 and North Roads, no longer there. That's where the JFK kids went and the Howland kids. There were a lot of fights in that parking lot, you know, and so even if I played a game, we'd go ring the victory bell, hopefully, and then we'd shower, and then I'd put on a shirt that was three times too, too small, and <laughs> And, and then I would go in the weight room. I just finished a game, and I'd do this if I was home, and I was, but I'd go in the weight room, and I'd lift weights to pump up so my veins were coming out of my arms. And then I'd walk in McDonald's like this, you know, <laughs> just like this. Ninety percent of the people had to think, what a jerk, you know. <laughs> but my value was in appearance. And how many of you can agree if I walked in there today like this, people would think, something's wrong with that guy. There's, <laughs> there's a problem with him. And how about affluence, guys? Our possessions wear out. Isn't that true? They wear out. And for some of you young people, you may, you may not know that. But let me tell you a quick story. Um, I, I didn't purchase a brand new car. I always wanted to. And I, I didn't purchase a brand new car until I was about 35, almost 35. And I'll tell you what, what an exciting day when I purchased a car. It was a Pontiac 6000, if you can remember those. And very far from a luxury car but it was brand new. It had a payment, but I was so excited to have a new car. And I remember when I went to pick it up, I just remember that day, and everything's done, all the paperwork, and I remember, you know, sitting in the car, and 
I put the seat back a little so I was cruising, you know, and had glasses on and I pulled out of there feeling so good with that car. Got to the first red light and I'm looking over like, new car, I just bought it. And I, I'm like so excited. But you know, it took about two weeks, three weeks, and all that excitement left, guys. The new car smell was still there and all that excitement I had for it, it all disappeared. Guess what stayed? The payment. All right, now, here, here's number three, all right? Number three is achievement. Our successes are surpassed. And, and, and if you are competitive, if you're goal-oriented, goal and I'm very much that way, uh, there's always somebody that outdoes you, right? And if you place your value on your accomplishments, you're, you're going to be just unsatisfied constantly because there's always someone better. I love the NBA, and I've been watching it for years. And back when I started... It was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And all you guys my age, you remember those guys. They were incredible. And they gave new life to the NBA. And I, at that time, I thought nobody could ever outdo them. And then this guy named Michael Jordan came along, and he outdid them. And, and then Michael Jordan's there, and you think, nobody can ever outdo Michael Jordan. And then this guy, high school, LeBron James came along. And Kobe and, and Shaq and all these superstars, Magic, they're flying to Akron, Ohio to watch LeBron James play high school basketball. That's how good he was. And now LeBron's there right at the top of his game. You think, will anybody ever outdo LeBron? And pretty soon he's almost at the peak. He'll start going like this. And then there's this guy called Steph Curry. Last year he beat us in the play. I, I don't like him at all if you want to know the truth. Um, <laughs> he's probably a good kid, but I can't stand him. Okay, here, here, here's number four, number four, number four, approval. Our affirmation stops coming. And affirmation, if, if you feed off of it, it always ends. And some of you may be looking for affirmation from somebody you've never gotten it from. And I want to tell you up front, you may never get it from that person, a parent or whoever. It may never come. I remember years ago when I first got on Facebook, you know, I'm, I'm you know, one of the adults. That, the, the young people were on it for five years. I didn't know it existed. Then I finally got, I finally got on it. And, and uh, I, I was so enthralled with the likes and dislikes, you know? So I posted every day. And after I posted, I'd go back on two hours later and see how many likes do I have, you know? And some days I had a hundred and some likes on my post, but I'll never forget the bad days I had when I got back on and I only had three or four likes. I'm like, what's wrong with them? I stole this off a really good pastor and posted it. <laughs> how can they not like it? It blew my mind. And, and here I am pastoring Believer's Church and dealing with not being affirmed for my post. And I realize these things try to creep in you, your life. They constantly try to creep in. So here's what I want to do today. I want to help us as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, this will help you tremendously too. I just want to help us begin to focus on the right thing for values, where our worth, our self-worth comes from. And I want you to walk out of here today remembering something that changes my life. It's changed my life. It continues to change my life. And it goes like this. Jesus knows us and still loves us. That's incredible. Some of you are thinking, that's not that big a deal. And I admit it's not my fanciest wording ever. But listen, when I think about this, it blows every gasket in my brain. And you might be sitting there saying, Pastor Joe, Jesus has to love you. Well, let me say this. You only know platform, Pastor Joe. And you know lobby, Pastor Joe. Some of you know connect group leader, Pastor Joe. 
but you don't know Thursday night, 9 p.m. at home, Pastor Joe. You don't know Monday, I'm blasted, I'm tired, I'm grouchy, it's my day off, Pastor Joe. You don't know that guy. You don't, you don't know the guy that deals with all kinds of things. He's growing. He feels, you know, God, I got to get better at this. God, I stink at this. God, you got to help me here. You, you, don't, you don't know that guy. But can, all, can you agree we all deal with those types of things? And here's what blows my mind, to think that Jesus knows me and still loves me. That blows my mind. And I've been a Christian a long time. And just to think, you, Jesus, you know, you know every weakness I have. You know every flaw I have. You know the things I'm struggling with. You know the things that are beating me up. You know the things I can't get a handle on. And you still love me? That is incredible. And that's how Jesus feels about every one of us in this room. And my heart today is to take us to another level in understanding this. Here's how I think I can do it. There's this guy in the Bible. His name is Zacchaeus. And his before and after are crazy, before he met Jesus, after he met Jesus. And there are so many incredible truths in this story. So here's what I'm going to do. I typically don't read an entire Bible story, but today I'm going to read the story, and then we're going to show you some incredible things in the story. So this story begins in Luke 19.1, and here's how it reads. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Incredible story. Some of you might have heard it in, in, uh, you know, when you were little in Sunday school. Some of you may know the song, the Zacchaeus song. But there are some incredible truths in this section of scripture. So here's, here's what I want to show you. I want to show you four ways you matter to God. This is going to bring yourself, your self-worth, your self-value up incredibly. And we see it all in this story. Here's number one, guys. Jesus notices you no matter how small you feel. And that is important. Now listen. Zacchaeus was short. We see that. But this is what blows your mind. When you look at the Greek language, and I'm not a Greek scholar, I just know where to look to find these things out. Here's what Greek scholars say. They say the word translated as short doesn't mean short like you and I might think. You know, if 5'10 if is the average height, you're 5'7 or 5'5. Five, five. That's not what it means. The word short means a dwarf or a little person. So Zacchaeus is a little person. And today that's not a big deal. Uh, society is kind to little people today but in bible days if you were a little person here's what they would think 
First, they would feel the parents sinned, the parents were bad, and God cursed them by giving them this child. And then they would think the child was cursed. So as Zacchaeus grew up, rejected his entire life. Can you imagine how it must have been for him on the playground in junior high? Junior high playground was rough for all of us, right? It was a rough place, unless you were the bully, but, but it was a rough place. And, and, and think of all the comments and all the things that were said to this guy. He was so rejected, tremendously rejected. And we see it in what he did. He did something that broke culture, broke custom. He did something Jewish men would never do in public. He did two things. He ran and he climbed a tree. And in Jewish culture in that day, a Jewish man would never run in public and they would never climb a tree because that's what they would have their servants do. They wouldn't do it. But the fact that he did it lets us know he's so rejected, he's so dejected that he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him at all. But here's what I want you to see here. Jesus notice you, notices you no matter how small you, you feel. Listen, listen. So Jesus is walking to the tree. He's going to go right by it. And Zacchaeus just wants to get a look at this holy man that everybody's talking about. But Jesus stops. And it had to blow his mind when Jesus stopped. Because everybody around that tree was making fun of him because he's a little person. And he's also the chief tax collector. They hate his guts. And so they're all making fun of him. And Jesus stops and he's like, oh no, here comes another little person joke. He's thinking the holy man's going to get on my case now. But, but Jesus didn't, as we read, right? But what blew his mind is that Jesus looked up and Jesus noticed him. And you might have walked in here today thinking no matter how high I climb into the tree, nobody's going to notice me. No matter how, high, how, how loud I shout, no matter how high I jump, no matter how I scream, people just don't notice me. People don't care about me. And here's what I want you to know. First of all, there are a lot of people that do know and they do care about you. But secondly... God knows you. God loves you. God cares about you. You know, in our enemy, the devil, he's called the accuser of the brethren. So he's constantly speaking, putting thoughts in our mind and trying to tell us nobody likes us and God doesn't like us. And you know what? No matter who you are, no matter where you're at in the earth, no matter how small you are, and God really loves you. Here's an incredible verse of scripture. Luke 12, 6 and 7 says this. Five sparrows are sold for only two pennies, and God does not forget any of them. So these little birds... They sell them for two pennies. And, and I don't know, that's, isn't that mind-blowing to you? God, doesn't, God knows every, every bird and loves them? That's mind-blowing. Listen to verse 7. But God even knows how many hairs you have on your head. Don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. That's one of the most incredible books or verses in the Bible. God's telling you and I that I don't care how you feel about yourself, I notice you, and I care about you, and I know everything about you. And, and I, love this, I love this big idea for today. Jesus knows us and still loves us. And that's what he's trying to say to us. Here's number two, guys. Jesus wants you no matter what you've done. And that's incredible. So think about this. Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, just to bring us all up to par on this. Israel was under the reign of the Roman Empire. So Rome would conquer a nation. Then they'd send their soldiers in and governors in, and they'd, they'd rule that nation. And here's what they were after, taxes. They were after money. And so they would collect taxes. And they would always use a, national, a naturalized citizen, so in this case Jews, to take the taxes from the Jewish people. And then the soldiers would go in with them and back them up 
So Zacchaeus was so good at this. He had to be so hardened and so upset. He became so good, they made him the chief. That means he's the head tax collector. He's over everybody. So here's what these guys did. I'm going to soon throw a hypothetical number at you. Rome would say, hey, we want 10% of all their income. We want tax on 10%. And they would say to the tax collectors, you can keep whatever you want for yourself. We just want 10%. So these tax collectors were so corrupt, so they greased the palms of the soldiers, they greased the palms of the governors and the rulers, and they might have taken 25%, 30%. They sent Rome 10, and these guys became really, really wealthy. So in essence, Zacchaeus was Don Zacchaeus Goleoni. <laughs> he was a gangster, and he wasn't nice to anybody, and he was taking all he could get from people. This guy was hated. So think about this. Jesus stops and notices him, but then Jesus blew his mind. He blew the crowd's mind because Jesus went on to say, I'm going to come eat at your house today. Now, Zacchaeus probably wanted to invite him, but thought he'd never come to a, a terrible sinner's house like mine. And, and Jesus invites himself. That had to blow everybody's mind. But what is Jesus saying to us? Guys, he's saying, no matter what you've done, I love you and I know you. And I want to help you see your value. And I have a little object lesson today. It's little and it's not little because it's a $100 bill, guys. And uh, I don't think there's one person in this room that would pass this up if I came up to you and said, you want a $100 bill? I, I bet you there's not one person if it was laying on the ground and you saw it, uh, wouldn't step down. You might pass a penny or a nickel up, but you, you're going to bend down for this baby and you're going to pick it up because it's, it's 100 bucks. Now, let me ask you a question. This is really crisp and pretty. If I were to rip this up, and I'm just putting little tears in it, not ripping it all the way, but... That's seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven tears. That's a lot of tears. Now, if, if I were to ask you, do you want this $100 bill, would any of you turn it down because it has little tears in it? Why? Because the value hasn't changed, right? Still worth 100 bucks, right? What if I crumbled it up like this and made it into a ball, nice ball, played a little catch with it, did everything with it? Now, when you open it up, it's a mess. I'm telling you, it's a mess. It's so crumbled. Is it still worth 100 bucks? Now, I'm not going to do this, but what if I spit in it? Like, you know, rub that in there. I didn't do it. I'm just faking, okay? If my wife weren't here, I would. But uh, <laughs> I can't do it in front of her, right? Now, you, I'm guaranteeing you, you take it and just go wash your hands afterwards, right? I mean, it's still 100 bucks. Isn't it still 100 bucks? It's 100 bucks. If I threw it on the ground and stomped on whatever I did, the value never changes. And this is what you want to see about yourself. If you've accepted Christ, you're the most valuable person in the universe because God gave his best to buy you and to redeem you. He gave his own life. He died for you. And you are so valuable in the eyes of God. And here's what happens. We get torn up with life. We get crumbled up with life. We get spit on. Life beats the heck out of us. And we allow the enemy to tell us we're not valuable in the eyes of God and we're not valuable on this earth. And he's lying to us. And what God wants you to see, man, is no matter what you've done, no matter what, where you've failed, no matter what you've gone through, your value hasn't changed still the same. And that's important. You and I need to know that. So 
here's what I did. I, I told our accounting department, I said, hey guys, I need three crisp $100 bills. So this is the third and final one. They have to be crisp. So they went to the bank and took it out. I said, take it out of benevolence. Benevolence is our fund here at the church where we give to the poor. And Gene and I give to that monthly, and many of you give to it monthly. And then when someone's struggling, we help them out. So I said, take it out of benevolence. And here's what I'm going to do today. Uh, I'll be in the lobby uh, after this service. And, and if, if you're here, now listen, if, if you, you don't know where your next meal's coming from, you're not sure, um, you know, you can buy family for your kids. Maybe it's, you know, a single mom, and you say, I don't, I don't know, this week, I'm not even sure how we're going to survive. Come up and tell me. I want to give this to the first person that talks to me today. So make sure you come up. Make sure you let me know. I'm going to put that in my pocket, all right? And, and I'll have it. I'll have it for you. But think about your value. Think about your value. Here's number three. Jesus knows you no matter who ignores you. And that is absolutely incredible. So I want you to think about this. Jesus stops. He invites himself to his house. But you know what he did first? He stops. He looks up. And he calls him by his name. That, that's, everybody's ignoring him. Everybody hates this guy. And, and can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing your name come out of the mouth of Jesus? Jesus never met him, but he knew his name. He said, Zacchaeus. That blew the crowd's mind. That blew Zacchaeus' mind. But listen to this. Do you know what the word Zacchaeus means? That Jewish word, that's just a name, but it has a meaning. And it actually means pure one. Doesn't that blow your mind? Pure one. So Jesus says, pure one, come on down here. And I'm sure Zacchaeus, like the, you know, the three stooges when someone said, sir, I'm sure that he looked behind him saying, who are you talking to? It's not me. But here's what I love about God. We think God's going to scold us because some of us grew up in churches where, you know, every, just people just scolded people. And, and I, want, I want to tell you, I believe in purity. I believe in becoming holy and becoming like Christ. But I do know this, it's a process and, and God wants all of us to strive for it. But here's what's wrong. Some of us think God's just waiting to slap us in the face and hit us on the head. And here's what God does, guys. God doesn't call you what you are. He calls you what he created you to be. And that's what he's saying to Zacchaeus. He's saying, pure one, I'm going to come eat at your house today. And that's what God's saying to every single one of us in this room. This is something I had to learn. If, if you are a detail person, you probably struggle with this like I do. Uh, when you're detail, you, you're critical. So you have to deal with a, being critical of everything you see. So I have had to learn not to be critical, right? And when we were young, Gene and I, newly married, and our kids were really young. You know how we had four kids in five and a half years. So there were times when they just tore that house up, you know. And, and we would try to teach them and train them. But there were times when I went through that house, and I'd see everything thrown around and lights are on. And I just would, I'd walk through the house and say, you guys are pigs. And they're right there. You're pigs. What do you do? Live in a barn? Were you born in a barn? You're pigs. I don't know who I heard that from, but uh, I'm, just, I'm just letting them know. And Gina would be horrified, and she'd pull me aside and say, honey, honey, you can't talk that way to your kids. And I'd say, but they're pigs. <laughs> See, that's what a literal, that's what a literal deep tell, but it's true. So if it's true, I'm going to say it. And uh, so we had all these debates, you know, and, and, and she helped me see it. She said, would you appreciate that? if it was said to you, and I said, no, I didn't appreciate that, and, and, and I said, it, it made me a little bitter at times, and she said, right, right, 
She said, you don't want to do that to your kids. She said, your kids will get it. She said, coach them, train them, but don't speak that terrible stuff over them. And I'm telling you, it took me a long time to learn that. I learned it after a year and a half or two. Uh, it just took me a while. And I think sometimes we think that's how God looks at us and that's how God speaks to us, but it's not true. There's this incredible scripture in the Bible, guys. It, it's, it's Isaiah, and, and it reads like this, 49, 15, and 16. And this is God speaking. He says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Absolutely not. Can she feel no love for a child she has born? No. But God says, even if that were possible, he said, even if it could happen, he says, I would never forget you. He's talking about us as his spiritual kids. And then he says this, this is mind-blowing. See, I have engraved your name on the palms of my hands. That, that's amazing. So is this figurative? Is it literal? I don't know. You know, the Bible says God's so big that he can hold the whole earth in his hands. So he, he would have enough room for all of our names, right, if, if he wants. I don't know what it is, but here's what I know this verse is saying to me. God loves us so much that he knows every one of us. And I, what, what an image. He's tattooed our names on the palm of his hand. That's how much he loves us. And here we are allowing the enemy to beat us up and tell us we're of no value. And that's why you have to know that when no one else cares, man, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He adores you. He cares about you. So get a hold of this one. This is number four, and it reads like this. Jesus affirms you no matter what others say about you. Talk about people criticizing this guy, huh? I mean, Zacchaeus was criticized by everyone. And you remember how it blew everybody's mind when Jesus said, I'm going to come eat at your house? It blew everybody's mind. He's a sinner. You can't talk with a sinner. Are you crazy, Jesus? Jesus is wanting to teach us something. I mean, Jesus wants to have that kind of fellowship with you. And you may be sitting here thinking, I'm not worthy of that. And Jesus is trying to get something across to you. Talk about a before and after. I think this is so mind-blowing. Crazy Zacchaeus meets Jesus. Do you remember what he did? He gave half of everything he had to the poor. That's crazy. And then he said, if there's anybody I stole from, I'll give them four times what I stole. That's amazing. I remember when I accepted Christ, you know, I told you a little bit of my craziness. Everybody I could remember that I stole off of, I gave them the money back. I was blowing people's minds. And I worked at a store and sold a bunch of things from a store. So I went and took them money. I took everybody. And they're like, are you nuts? I go, I, first, some of them were mad at me because they were my friends. And they said, you stole off me? Yeah, I stole off you. Sorry. Here. here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was a creep. Um, but but uh, it's amazing. But no one told me to do that. I didn't know this story. I didn't know the story, guys. It's just the before and after. But here's what we want to pick out of it today, guys. It's, it's amazing. I just want you to see how much Jesus loves you. Here's a verse. This is written to Christians, and it reads like this, Revelations 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. That's referring to the door of your heart. He says, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you will eat with me. Isn't it amazing? Eating's a, a referring to fellowship. Isn't it amazing how Jesus wants to come to your house the same as he wanted to come to Zacchaeus' house? That's, a, that's amazing. So let me tell you a story. When I was a younger Christian, the first probably four or five years of my Christianity, there were times when I really struggled with different sins and I'm trying to overcome them. There were times when I backslid in my heart. What I mean by that is 
I was just struggling with things, and I just gave up. And I went to church, though, and I tried, but I wouldn't worship much at church, and I just stood there, and I wasn't really listening because I was all caught up and struggling with things. And here's what I felt, and, and I'm sure most of us have felt it at one time or another. I felt like, God, I, I'm, I don't want to come back like five weeks, six weeks. I don't want to come back because you're going you're gonna to let me have it. And I, I just felt like he was going to scold me and slap me and let me have it. And so I would just stay away for that reason. But here's what I remember. I remember when I'd say, God, you know what? Six weeks, I can't take it anymore because I really accepted Christ. I was a Christian, you know. I can't take it anymore, God. I'm coming back. And I would repent and say, Jesus, forgive me. And I remember coming into a church like this and worshiping my heart out. And during that time when we're singing, the most amazing things would happen. God would just speak things to my heart. Not these years, but he would speak. And what he said was always positive. It's like, it's like I already repented, and I guess he knew that. But he would speak, he would tell me these incredible things about how he loved me and how he cared about me and I want to use you. And it would blow my mind. I'm like, are you crazy, God? I just had a bad six weeks. And here's what God's thinking himself. Guys, I gave my life for you. My blood's strong enough to get you to a place where you can overcome anything. And I have washed you in that blood, and you're holy and blameless and without fault in my sight. And, and God's wanting us to see what's already happened, and, and we have to change the way we receive our value. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joe, man, I walked in here, and there are some areas in my life where I, I don't feel valuable at all. I don't feel successful at all. I don't feel worthy of God at all. I trust that this message touched something in your heart and the Holy Spirit spoke into your heart. So that's why we want to pray right now. Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? Let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to deliver this uh, incredible part of the Bible, these messages. And Lord, thank you for recording Zacchaeus so, so we would see it. And, and Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. Thank you so much. Lord, some are like me. We've been, we've been Christians a long time, decades. But that enemy still tries to get us down. He still tries to cause us to feel not worthy, to live for you, to serve you, to do things for you. He loves us to have guilt. And Lord, we just thank you that you know us and still love us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who you said is in us to teach us, to to guide us, to speak to us, to open up our eyes to spiritual truths. Thank you for him. Lord, and I thank you for ministering life to every person in this room. Thank you as we go through our week, you're going to cause words from this message to come alive and speak to us and change us, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that if there's anyone in this room that maybe has been backslid in their heart, I thank you that this is the day they say, you know what, Jesus? I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I'm coming back strong. I thank you that this will be the day they open their heart and you come in and you have fellowship with them and we know what it's going to be, Lord, it's going to be positive and I thank you for that. So everyone in the room, heads bowed, eyes closed, stay, stay praying. I believe the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, like God says, he's going to deal with hearts and minister life to people. And while you're doing that in that attitude of prayer, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure of my forever. I'm like Nicodemus, maybe not as bad as him, but I'm like him, and I don't even know God. 
Well, I want you to know God's looking at you right now. I want you to know God's calling your name right now. And I want you to know you're so incredibly valuable to God. He gave his life. God the Son, Jesus, gave his life so you can live. That's valuable. And after he died and he was raised from the dead, here's his words. He said, whoever believes in me, I'll save them. Whoever calls on my name, I'll give them the gift of eternal life. I'll wash all their sins away. So maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day in my life when I made it personal with Jesus. I just can't. So understand what I'm not asking. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you if you were raised in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it real with Jesus and you said, Jesus, I'm making a decision today. I believe in you and I'm going to follow you. That's what I did when I was 19. That's when the lights went on. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, my heart's tugging. I'm touched. This is me. I'm ready to pray. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.